Today, we've got a seller who in the last few years has gone from making custom wedding invitations to selling over $10 million a year on Amazon. Plus, he's gonna share with us his strategy that won the best hack at the Billion Dollar Seller Summit and the Sale and Scale Summit. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. How can you get more buyers to leave you Amazon product reviews? By following up with them in a way that's compliant with Amazon terms of service. You can use Helium 10 follow-up in order to automatically send out Amazon's request a review emails to any customers you want. Not just that, but you can specify when they get the message and even filter out people that you don't want to get that message, such as people who have asked for refunds or maybe ones that you gave discounts to. For more information, visit h10.me forward slash follow up. You can sign up for a free account or you can sign up for a platinum plan and get 10% off for life by using the discount code SSP10. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I am your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show. That's a completely BS-free, unscripted, and unrehearsed organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the e-commerce world. We've got a serious seller here. Uh, from not that far away, you are in Texas, I believe, right? That's right. What part of Dallas, Texas? Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas. Is that where you were uh, born and raised? No, actually from uh, Utah. So okay. a small town called Kaysville, if any if any of the listeners are from How far that from area. Salt Lake uh, is that? So 20 minutes north of Salt Lake. 20 minutes north of Salt Lake. Okay, so yep. um, you know, whenever I talk to people from Salt Lake, I always, is like the one shocking thing about Salt Lake for me, it's the most random thing, is that it has probably a Mexican food that's top five for me in the world for Mexican food. And I, you know, I live in Southern is California. Is it really? I, I've, I go to Mexico all the time. I live in Southern California. I know what Mexican food is. You know, there's some people who are like, you know, who don't real know. And yep. it's um, this place called Red, Red Iguana. Red Iguana, yeah, Red Iguana. Yep. And oh, like guys, you don't think of Salt Lake City and Mexican food, but... Uh, <laughs> But trust me, guys, it's good stuff. Now, what uh, what brought you to Texas? So at, I graduated from the University of Utah in uh, 2014. Ute. The Utes. Go Utes. And um, yeah, so I, I graduated with my undergrad there in 2012 in finance. And then I pursued my MBA immediately following that. So kind of the non-traditional route for an MBA, but immediately jumped into my MBA did that there. And between my first and second year of my MBA program, I did an internship with American Airlines. And so I did that internship. I received a full-time job offer to come back after I finished my MBA. So once we graduated, uh, my wife and I decided to move to Texas and we've been here ever since. And we've loved the people, we've loved the culture, and we've enjoyed our time here. Even though I don't currently work for American Airlines anymore, mm -hmm. we decided to stick around here. How, how did the shift from American Airlines to e-commerce happen? Like like what, when and how in the world that happened? That's not exactly a normal trajectory or career tra trajectory there. No, no, for sure. So yeah, it's, it's quite a fascinating story. So for myself, I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. Uh, you know, I was the kid with the candy stand on the corner of the street all the time and always thinking of ways Love it. to make money. And you know, but I didn't necessarily pursue that necessarily, you know, going through high school or even into my early years of college. I was 
trying to figure out like, what is my real career going to be? I never thought like, oh, I got to go start a business. Like that's exactly who I am. And so through college, that's why I studied finance and then did my MBA. I was looking for more of like maybe management leadership type positions is what my initial approach was. Mm -hmm. But while I was pursuing my education at the University of Utah, I actually became the the co-chairman for the Utah Entrepreneur Series. It's one of the nation's largest student-run business plan competitions. And Mm -hmm. so I ran that program for two years. And that's where it's kind of like a Shark Tank style thing, but for, um, you know, student entrepreneurs throughout the state Mm -hmm. of Utah. So they'd come pitch to like a panel of judges. And at the end, you know, they would be awarded $40,000 to the winner and things like that. So it was a really, really cool experience. So I was surrounded by entrepreneurship. Okay, interesting. And then then, so, so, but, but, you know, you're like, hey, maybe this isn't exactly, you know, paying the bills right now. So like this American airline thing is pretty good and and start working for the man. But then, you know, I guess that itch was always there, I'm assuming. Yeah, it it certainly was always there. Immediate. So I started American Airlines in the fall of 2014. And my wife and I started our own business in March of 2015. So it wasn't, you know, not much time for the grass to grow under my feet. Within six months, we were, we were, you know, starting our own business. And so my wife and I graduated um, at the exact same time. And so she graduated in early childhood education. But what her real passion was is from her early childhood, she loved art. She loved being creative. Mm. And so she was like, hey, I want to explore graphic design. And I was like, hey, yeah, go ahead and, and start experimenting with it. Mm-hmm. And she did. As soon as we moved down here, she didn't go look for a full-time job. She started designing like wedding invitations for her friends. Mm. And so from there all of a sudden this kind of like turned into a a bigger business where she's like, Hey, like this friend keeps me for referring me to these people. And then these people keep reaching out. So, so that's when in March of 2015, we're like, Hey, let's make this a real, the real deal. And I started working with her like in the evening. So as soon as I would come home from work, Mm -hmm. uh, my wife and I would literally stay up till midnight, one or 2 a.m. Um, just working together on, on this business, starting uh, custom wedding invitations. So that's where it all kind of started. And then, you know, here we are seven years later, and it's grown into a much bigger business than we could have imagined. Did, did you have to like have in those days, like, you know, machinery and stuff? Or are you just doing this by hand and printers or what? Yeah, great question. So, no, we didn't have any of the equipment or anything like that. We've always outsourced the printing side. Of the okay. business, so my wife was just you know it was both of us just with a laptop, and my wife would do all of the custom um, you know graphic design work for the clients, okay. and then I focused on the advertising marketing side of things. That's where I first cut my teeth in Facebook ads, and at the time Facebook ads were fairly easy and straightforward, and you know we hit the nail on the head really quick with with one of those tests, and the rest was history really. Okay. Interesting. Now, now I'm going to fill in the gaps in a couple of seconds here, but let's just skip to the end. You know, th- this is 2022. Uh, you know, uh, we're barely getting into you know Q4 here. What would you expect your you know 2022 sales to end up? You know, understanding that we still got a couple months left here. 
Yeah, so this year we're crossing the eight-figure mark in our business, which we're excited for. So we'll end at about ten point five million this year. Awesome, awesome. All right, so started from you know working until two in the morning with uh, your spouse in the, in you know uh, on custom uh, invitations and fast forward a few years over ten million. So now let's fill in some of the gaps there. So yeah, um, you were doing Facebook ads. Did you have like were you sending them to a website or? Yeah, so we were doing Facebook ads just to like a a lead form. That was it. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of like a lead form where we would qualify people, say, "Hey, you know, when is your date? You know, what type of style are you looking for and what's your budget?" Because obviously with custom design work, you know, that that ain't cheap. And so we had yeah, to qualify yeah. people there. Um and then the other thing that I was doing, the reason why I was working so late is because I probably joined about a thousand different um, Facebook groups for like brides that are getting married or like wedding resell Facebook groups. And so I was just in there all day long. And anytime somebody would be like, you know, it, the phrase at the time was like ISO in search of, you know, wedding invitations. So I had like a, you know, all I would do is I'd pull up my computer, go through the feed, and then I'd hit, you know, search find, you know, control F. Yeah, and yeah. then immediately go find all of the you know people looking for wedding invitations, message them, you know, tell them about our business, and then try to convert them. So I had built you know a really streamlined sales process for the business, and we had we had booked ourselves so much so that it was a six month waiting list just to work with my wife about two years in, and so that's where we were just like we were busting at the seams, and we were trying to decide like all right do we keep going down this route of custom wedding invitations? Because at this point, like you're just working all day long. Literally, you know, we had had our first child. My wife was just working every moment. She had a free, you know, spare time is like work, 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 work. It's like, all right, I don't know how sustainable this is going to be yeah, as we yeah, yeah. grow a family. Okay. So, you know, I'm assuming that you are not doing $10 million a year of custom wedding invitations. So at what point did, did, did you know, your, did this evolve? And at what point did you like, you know, uh, start on Amazon, uh, you know, and merge your, uh, these businesses here? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. So it was the, like, let's say November, December of 2016. And, you know, as an entrepreneur, I'm always, you know, listening for, Hey, what's the latest and greatest businesses. And, you know, how do I create a scalable business? And one of the ideas that was obviously being taught and pitched a lot during that time was, you know, create your own FBA business. It's passive income and all of that stuff. And so I purchased one of the courses. I, for the life of me, can't even remember who it was that Mm -hmm. I purchased a course from. So I purchased the course and went through it. And then I was like, hey, I wonder if there's, you know, an opportunity for us to launch some products in the stationary niche. And so we tested out, uh, you know, three products, they quickly took off. And then I was like, Oh, wow, like, there are people that want to buy, you know, stationary, and it was all design based, right? Um, There were 1000s and 1000s of listings, there still are today. But what my secret weapon is, is my wife, right? Mm -hmm. And that was the case when we were doing custom wedding invitations, like, sure, I had a good sales pitch, but at the end of the day, like I would argue my wife is one of the best graphic designers in the world. Um, and so we can go into very competitive spaces now on Amazon and, and we'll dominate. Hey guys, we'll, first of all, side note, happy wife, 
happy life. So, you know, if you're hyping <laughs> up your wife like this, you know, like you got a happy home life here. Make sure make sure she listens uh, to this, Josh. All right, continue, please. That's right. Well, this is what this was all for, Bradley, right? This is like a birthday present for my wife. Yep. It's like, yep. this is just going to be centered on her. There we no, go. So anyways, uh, you know, we were able to test out a few products and it quickly started taking off. And so in 2017, we're like, hey, let's let's go all in on this Amazon side of the business instead. Mm-hmm. So we stopped booking custom brides and wedding clients. And then we pivoted and started creating products there on Amazon. So the first year, 2017, we did over a million dollars in sales. And we're like, this is wow. it. Like we're going. And so here we are, you know, since 2017, we've launched over you know, 1,000 SKUs on Amazon and, you know, we just continue to grow. In a, I mean, obviously not customized wedding invitations, but similar Correct. niche. Like we talking like, like, you know, um, what, what's, what, what's an yeah. example of something? Because, you know, yeah. it, it's not like you completely pivoted from what you were doing. You know, it, it's, I think it's important what you said. It's like, Hey, I've got somebody who's super talented and who's really good yep. in this niche. Like we got to double down on this because the competition might be just, you know, outsourcing some of this to, you know, there's millions of graphic designers out there, but Correct. if you have somebody with a special talent, you know, you got to, you got to double down on that. Yep. So our very first product were, were recipe cards. And the reason why we did recipe cards mm-hmm. is because we would have brides that would reach back out to us and they would say, Hey, you know, I need some recipe cards for my bridal shower. And it's like, okay, well, there's not a whole lot different than creating from creating a recipe card to creating a wedding invitation, but people aren't expecting to pay a thousand dollars for a recipe card to be designed. Right. Yeah. So that's where the idea initially came from. Like, all right, well, let's serve our audience by saying, Hey, well, we've got some recipe cards on Amazon that you can find. So it helped because we were obviously able to bring external traffic to those listings. But again, the design um, was on point. And so then, you know, we continued to go down into like the, you know, the wedding space, um, you know, and different like people would need like reserved table cards for their wedding. So we really tried initially stayed within the wedding space and we, we stayed within like kind of parties and weddings for a while. And then COVID hit and then like literally decimated our business. Right. Mm, like, mm, mm. We went overnight from doing, you know, a thousand units a day to we were lucky if we got a hundred units in a day or a yeah, hundred, yeah. you know, sales in a day. So it was, that was like looking down the barrel, like, oh my gosh, everything we have just built is about to like fall apart. And uh, fortunately it started slowly coming back as we all know. Um, yeah. It wasn't quick overnight, like, oh, here it is. Our, our business is back. Um, but it required us to pivot even more and launch into new product categories that we never even would have imagined. And so really today, what we do is, you know, any product that you can throw a design on, we're getting into that space. And that's why we have, you know, and now it's more pandemic proof, uh, I guess, where like if if something, you know, knock on wood, you know, happens again, where where parties, you know, are not allowed, your business is not going to go down by 90% again. Correct. Yeah. And, and parties were a very seasonal business too. Right. Sure. So there's, there's very, there's a lot of peaks and valleys in, you know, the wedding season peaks and valleys, even with kids parties, Q4 is actually really bad for parties. Um, So everybody is always like excited for Q4. Q4 was actually one of our lowest, like selling quarters of the entire year. 
Mm. Um, so it was interesting. And so it, it's great to, you know, have a more yeah. diversified, diversified portfolio now. Ha- have you always, you know, I, I know from the beginning you said you've outsourced, but has this uh, outsourcing always been local as in, you know, made in USA? Uh, have you ever gone overseas for it? I mean, I, I could imagine in the early days, you know, or, you know, wedding invitations, you can't like, you know, take three months to go ahead and produce uh produce something that, you know, somebody has a wedding in three weeks or four weeks or something like that. So, so how, how has the manufacturing side gone for you? Yeah, great question. So that's one thing that we're proud to say. We've been able to keep all of the manufacturing here in the U.S. Nice. And so we love that aspect. Sure, do we pay, you know, is our cost of goods a little bit higher? Of course it is. But not having to deal with overseas suppliers, not having to deal with the logistics nightmares that happened during COVID. And, you know, that's still unraveling all of that. Um, And and bringing jobs to the US, that's one thing I love being able to put on our listings. Like, this is made in the US because genuinely like 90% of our competitors are are overseas. And so it's it's a differentiator for our listing for sure. How does that work? Uh, Do you, do you, have your own warehouse and then, you know, you get it made and then it comes back to your warehouse and that's where you like put your, you know, FN SKU stickers on and everything and, and, and send it and, you know, do your bundles and things or, or you have this outside, an outside company who's handling this stuff. Yeah. So it's this one supplier that we've been with literally since day one, when we started doing wedding invitations, as soon as we pivoted and we're like, Hey, let's, let's create these mass produced products and we're going to send them into Amazon fulfillment centers they kind of re- retooled their packaging and the way that they would do things for us. And then they gave us like a whole warehouse um, that they allow us to use like free of charge is kind of like part of our relationship. And so, nice. you know, it's a seven year relationship in the making. Yeah, right. Yeah. And they're a huge partner of ours. Right. I, I don't see them as like, oh, they're just our supplier. It's like, no, they're they're a partner in our business. Right. And so we value their relationship and we love working with them. And so, yeah, they, they produce everything, they warehouse it, and then they trip it into Amazon for us. So, I mean, we, we have a really, really good setup with them and, and we're grateful for their partnership. Yeah. Um, now, you know, you said over $10 million of sales and, and it's not like you've got these million dollar products, you know, that like you know, hero products necessarily, but uh, I think you told them before, but but how many active SKUs at any one time do, do you have? We have over thirteen hundred. Over thirteen hundred. So, yep. so I, I'm just you know curious. You know, like is is your wife still for every one of these thirteen hundred? Is she the designer on it, or have you started to to you know build out your design team at all? Maybe she's more like a creative director, or is she still w- by herself coming up with all these things? By herself coming up wow. with all of them. Because that, that's what she enjoys, you know? Yeah. She she thrives on that, and she's, she also works really, really quick. Um, but we have a good work-life balance. I mean, you know, she raises, we have three children, and she raises our kids and takes them to school and spends time with them in the morning. And literally, she's, you know, jumping on to work from about 1 to 5 p.m. and then a few mm-hmm. hours in the evening. So it's not like all she does is just work, work, work. Yeah, like yeah. this has been a great work life balance for us and she just loves designing new products. Okay. And then the, I think I think uh, you had told me that you know one of the reasons uh, I'm assuming that you were able to have this work life balance is don't you have a staff uh of like 20 at least 20 people um yep. on your team? We do. Okay. Yep. So we like, what kind of things are they doing? They're they're not designing yeah. and, and things. 
Yeah, so we have a supply chain manager and they're the ones that obviously work with our supplier to make sure we're, you know, ordering the right number of units, you know, telling them when to ship in different, uh, you know, SKUs into Amazon. Then we have a project manager, okay? Yep. And then she manages all of, you know, from the very beginning of like the idea of like, hey, let's produce this product all the way to this is launched on Amazon. She's managing that whole flow um, and process flow. So that's been huge for us. We have an Amazon PPC manager. We had previously outsourced our PPC management. And then literally it was last week, we had let go of the PPC agency that we had been with. And so okay. we're doing all of that internally now and, and getting better results, which is which is great. And not and then, paying an outside agency. <laughs> and not paying an outside agency, right? <laughs> yeah. And we're getting more detailed with our optimizations. So I uh, love it. I love it a lot. And then uh, let's see, we have a Amazon kind of like account health person, right? That she manages our Amazon relationship. So she's working with our, you know, we have a SAS core representative. She's dealing with all of like the, the support cases that come up and then we have customer service. So then each of those, you know, different departments have their own team. We have a whole R&D department too. That's actually our biggest that are going out looking for new products, vetting new products, running keyword um, research and trying to vet like, hey, this is a good opportunity. This is a bad opportunity. Here's opportunities where there's not a lot of design competition kind of looks like everything's the same that we could easily tap into. And so that that's kind of my favorite team. That's the one I, I lead up the most is the ideas creating new products. Now, now, just like, you know, you didn't scale overnight from zero to 10 million. You yep. didn't go from zero to 20 employees or 25, whatever it is in one night. What's the process out there? You know, there might be people uh, out there who are just starting. There might be people who are like, oh man, I'm completely stressed out. I need to start thinking about hiring. How do you know when to make uh, these hires? Yep. You know, it, it's funny you ask that question. I just recorded a podcast yesterday um, for my own podcast that was talking about that. What's, what's your podcast uh, called? Yeah, it's called Ecom Breakthrough. So it's Ecom meant to help take seven-figure sellers to eight figures and beyond. No wonder why you have such a nice microphone. I was like, what? He must do a podcast or something. There. Yeah, nice. <laughs> so... Yeah. Anyways, I, I was talking about that process of, of building out a team. And mm -hmm. so I believe that one of my biggest mistakes in the episode I was recording is like, here's my top five biggest mistakes that I made in my journey to eight figures. And, you know, one of those mistakes was hiring the wrong people at the wrong time. Okay. Mm -hmm. So back in 2018 or 2019, we had this idea of like, hey, we 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 wanted to create a Shopify site and we wanted to diversify our Amazon business and kind of run away from Amazon, which is a story in and of itself, right? So many mm -hmm. people um, talk about, oh, you know, don't be so dependent on Amazon because they could just turn off your account any given day. Yeah. So we had literally spent, you know, like I told you in 2017, we had hit a million dollars in sales. And then I kind of like got scared. So many people were, Oh, don't, don't put all your eggs in one basket because Amazon can shut down your account. So then all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, I got to create a Shopify site. I need to start building that up because if Amazon ever suspends me, that's going to be disastrous. Yeah. And instead of doubling down on Amazon and just keeping, 
keep feeding the Amazon beast, we started to go down this route of, hey, I'm going to create this Shopify site. I'm going to bring all the customers, you know, not even realizing like how difficult that challenge is. So one of the issues we ran into, it's like, obviously we need traffic for the Shopify site. Well, I needed to figure that out. I needed help figuring that out because I'm trying to support this Amazon business. Now I'm trying to support the Shopify business. I don't know how, I'm not going to go spend the time figuring out marketing for Shopify. So let's just go hire it. So we go and hire this person nearly making six figures. And, you know, that relationship only lasts nine months. But that's because like, I just tried to hire a problem away. I didn't have, here's my specific KPIs. Here's exactly what this role needs to be doing. Here's what success looks like. Then we hired a bunch of other graphic designers and their job was to create designs only for Shopify, not Amazon. And, you know, those didn't pan out. Anyways, we were dumping more than six figures in terms of work and time and effort and salaries into this website that's not even making like $100 a day, which is just a mistake. But that was my first like error in learning like, you don't just hire a problem away, yeah. right? Yeah. And so so going back to your first question, I know that was a tangent. No, no. Going Go back ahead. to your first question of, you know, how do you start building out your team? Well, it was finally after that point of, all right, we had hired those people, we let them go. Now we realized, hey, one of the first things we need to do is identify where is our biggest like time restraint in the business mm. right now, right? If we mm-hmm. are going to continue to grow, what do I need to spend my time doing? What does my wife need to spend her time doing? For my wife, it's she needs to produce more designs. For me, it's I need to go find more products for her to go design. Yeah. But so that meant I needed to let go of managing that process of going from idea all the way until we're launching on Amazon. So I had to create a system and process that mapped out. First, we do this, then this, then this, then this, right? We do the keyword research. We create the copy based on that. Here's how we create the product images. So once we created that, we then hired a project manager. And that project manager stepped in. She's PMP certified. She previously worked for IBM, uh, but she's overseas. She lives in the Philippines. I mean, very experienced gal. And she's been fantastic for us. But she helped document all of our processes that I had originally created. I told her what success looks like. I had laid out our roadmap. And she was able to then go take my initial ideas, make them better, and then streamline that process. Well, that allowed me to take off, you know, relieve from my plate all of the operations, you know, of the business, so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. And then I could focus on, all right, let's go find new products all right, well, as soon as all of my time was spent finding new products, and I was like, you know what? I need to spend more time and attention on you know, leading my team in external marketing for driving external traffic to Amazon. Mm-hmm. So that's when I was like, all right, I need to document my processes for how I go find products and let's go hire an R&D team. So we did that. But first, you know, it required creating a role profile which specifies here are the KPIs you have to be hitting. Here's your, what your day-to-day activities look like. Yeah. And I didn't just hire somebody and be like, I just need you to go here, watch the, you know, watch this video from some seller that tells you how to go find products. It's like, no, we have a very unique way that we do it. And it's like, here are my processes 
follow yeah. these and then even improve them, which they've done uh, an amazing job at improving what I initially laid out. But that's how it went. It was one step after another, a very methodical approach. And then as soon as that relieved something else off you know, my plate, I was able to go work on another side of the business. Yeah. Once I figure that side of the business out, I then hire that out. I so like that. it's it's me going in very methodical. Don't necessarily, oh, let me go hire something where I don't even know how to do it because I, I don't want to learn it. And then, you know, you have no way of knowing if they're doing it right or wrong. But, hey, learn it first. Now hire it out. Now, one unique thing I think you told me, and this is, you know, it's not necessarily, oh, this is the only right way to do it. But but it's definitely different than others is, you know, I know a lot of people out there, they love seeing on the resume, oh, you know, I worked for this Amazon company or I have, you know, three years of Seller Central experience and this and that. But if I'm, unless I'm mistaken, you actually said you specifically want to hire people that have not worked kind of in the Amazon space so that they don't come with like bad habits. Did I understand that correctly? Yeah, yeah you, you do remember that conversation perfectly. So as we have gone out and hired, you know, a research and development team that does all of our keyword research that helps create and prep all the keywords for how we're going to put them into our listing and create the copy for them. Um, one of the things that I learned, and this was from trial and error of hiring certain team members and then having to let them go. What I found is the people that came with previous Amazon experience, they're like, oh, I know PPC. I know keyword research. They would look at our processes and they'd be like, oh, that's one way to do it, but I'm going to do it my other way. And for us, it's like, no, there's a very particular way why we do what we're doing. And, you know, mm -hmm. I'm in a few mastermind groups. And so the knowledge we have is, you know, some of the best in the industry and it's proven success after success for us. So it's like, I, I know what we're doing here. There's, there's a reason we got to where we are today. And it's like, if you're not going to be willing to follow this because what you're doing is not producing the results that, that need to be happening. So we've been able to successfully find a lot of other people that are eager to learn Amazon and they dive in and they love the process. They love the training that we give them. And then they don't, they don't come with any bad habits. Yeah. Um, so. Cool. Cool. Now, um, you, you know, you, you, you've talked about, you know, Shopify, obviously you have success on Amazon. What other marketplaces are you active in both inside of Amazon, you know, as far as like, you know, Canada or Japan or Europe, and then also what other marketplaces are you selling on now? You know, be it like a Etsy or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Great question. So we're in that NARF program, right? So yep. a few sales happen in Canada and Mexico. Um, I would like to expand into, you know, the actual Canadian market. Um, but that's a whole that's a whole other logistical mm -hmm. thing we've got to iron out. So like I said, methodical approach, one step at a time, and and we'll we'll build that up. But uh we're also on Walmart. Now on Walmart, you know, the sales are are relatively low. We we honestly have not focused on the um, the SEO and the ranking strategies and even PPC strategies on Walmart. However, after you know attending the Sell and Scale Summit where Walmart had a, a very big presence there, you yeah. know I I do think that I would like to make Walmart more of a priority. I genuinely hope that they become a a great alternative to Amazon in terms of providing competition because I believe competition's very healthy. Yeah. And um, so I would love I would love to see that. And I think that there's more room to grow. 
granted we're we're making one maybe five percent of our sales mm-hmm. come from Walmart. So it's not significant, but I know if we actually paid attention to it and did all of the keyword research and listing optimizations and PPC st- tactics that we're doing on Amazon, I'm sure we could grow that, you know, at least double or triple. Okay, cool, cool. All right, now for the last few minutes here, I just want to kind of like make this a strategy session and maybe culminating in in whatever strategy that won the number one strategy of the the whole <laughs> conference at the at uh, at Sell and Scale Summit. But but before that, like what are some just, you know, some quick hitting ones or it could be a, co- a long convoluted one doesn't matter, but but things that you think you're doing that's unique that, you know, like at least 90, 95% of sellers aren't doing and and maybe has contributed to some of your your great success. Yeah, I would say the the keyword optimization and the way that we go and look at our keywords even before we determine that we're going to launch into a mm. product. Mm-hmm. I think that the and this was honestly one of the biggest mistakes I made when we first were launching new products. Just because a product is on Amazon and it's getting a ton of sales does not mean that you can launch a me too product and expect the same results. Yep. Yep. For example, we, you know, there was like a, um, it was like a wedding sign or something that was just killing it. It was like thousands of units a month, it, but none of the competitors, like all the other competitors were like maybe a hundred units a month. Right. I was like, well, maybe it's just the design. Like, let's just create a better design. Right. And we go into that market and we, we, we don't really do well, like don't generate many sales. What I learned from that experience though, is that this competitor was just ranked on the most broad terms that you could ever imagine, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, wedding decor, right? Like that's that's a very broad term. When people search wedding decor, it's like, I have no idea what style you're looking for, what specific products you're looking for. If you can get ranked there, that's amazing. But that is much easier said than done, right? Getting yeah. ranked for those broad keywords is extremely challenging. So quick hack would be, Make sure you understand where all of your competitor sales are going, are you know coming from. And there's a lot of software tools on the market now that allow you to see, you know, where the sales are coming from and from what keywords are potentially driving those sales. Um, so that's that's one quick hack. And then you want me to dive into the hack? Sure. Won, let's 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 hop into that. Was this the one that also won at billion dollar? Didn't you win at billion dollar seller it, summit too? It or this was, is a different yeah. a different one. Yeah, it's the same hat. Okay, same so guys, hat, th- so. this is this. Regardless, the top, uh, you know, the top strategy conferences out there. This thing is a banger, uh, and it keeps winning uh, as far. And th- this wasn't voted by Helium Ten. This is voted by. Or, or voted by Kevin King. This is voted by everybody who's been in attendance at these conferences. And I already forgot what it was. So I, I need I need I need a refresher here. So go ahead. What, what was that hack? All right. All right. So it's anything in the buy box, right? So hopefully that jogs your memory. Not, not it's jogging my memory. Yep. 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 So anything in the buy box. Now, this this is my favorite hack because it is all white hat, right? And that's one thing that allows me to sleep at night. Is everything we do yep. is white hat. Absolutely. So it's all white hat. That's the best part. It's able to, and I'll give a little pitch to it. It's going to be able to increase your average order value. It's going to be able to influence the frequently purchased together with section. It's going to be able to take up more real estate on your Amazon listings. And then it's going to be able to help you launch new products faster, right? Okay. That's a pretty sweet hack. So what this hack is, 
is essentially, and one of the best examples is go to like any of the MacBook listings on Amazon. What you'll notice is below the add to cart button, there is this whole section on the right hand side that says add an accessory. Okay. And then there's little tick boxes. And right now there's four different accessories that you can add onto a MacBook purchase, a MacBook purchase. So there's little tick boxes. All a customer has to do is just hit the tick box and it automatically goes into the cart. So what this what this does though is you would initially think like, oh, well, I don't want to divert traffic away from somebody that's about to buy my product, right? What's cool is that Amazon, if you click on any of those accessories and you're trying to figure out like, what is this? Do I need this? It just brings up a pop-up. You don't leave that page. Brings up a pop-up where you get to see the product photos, the description, the bullets, but in a much more condensed way. It's one of my favorite things on Amazon. And then you know, you're able to click out of it add it to your cart. And then what we've seen, because we've tested this, you don't have to say, or it doesn't have to be in like the same like product category per se, right? Okay. So like if you wanted to, let's go with the MacBook example. If you wanted to add your mug, right? You got a tumbler or something. You want to add that as an accessory to the MacBook? You can. Like Amazon's not preventing that they're not going through and be like ah this is an accessory this is not an accessory so it has allowed us whenever we launch a new product we can throw that on all of our 1300 listings and be like hey check out this product right so it it increases eyeballs going there and then when people add it to cart right and then they'll even purchase it together whether they're related or not it influences that frequently purchased together session, mm-hmm. right down below, um, because it's you can add up to four different you know accessories. It pushes down your competitors that are able to target you on your your product listing. So you're pushing people down further, so they can't see competitor ads. On top of that, it's increasing your average order value, right? And you know your new products are actually getting more visibility all at the same time. So. Uh, the best way to go about this is, you, from my understanding, is you have to be part of the SaaS core program. Um, I have told different sellers at, at the events is, hey, you can definitely try submitting this to seller support. Just see what they say. Uh, but there is a simple um, spreadsheet. Like literally, it's, I think, five columns. That's it. And it's just like, what's the ASIN? And then what are the other ASINs that you want added as accessories? Like literally that is all the spreadsheet is. And you send that over to your SAS core rep. And they'll how do you, how do you get it. into that program? So SAS core, uh, I think there's a, I mean, if you just Google, you know, Amazon SAS core, I think they have a whole landing page. We got in back in, I think 2018, mm-hmm. but it's their strategic account services, right? For Amazon. And they help you create a business plan and, you know, tell you about things that are coming up. It's okay from that standpoint. Obviously, this hack came out of it. So yeah, I appreciate yeah. the program from that that perspective. But outside of that, you know, the other benefits is that you get kind of better customer support. So they say, right, they have a SaaS core, you know, support where if you're not getting things resolved with seller support, you can kind of escalate it through the SaaS core program okay. and, and get things you know taken care of more easily so to speak and so anyways that's that's what we've been using i think you do have to apply i think you have to apply number one 
Um, and then you get assigned an account rep. And anyways, I like it. Gives me added protection too with our Amazon account because they know what we're doing and we're following their terms of service and you know our account score. We're at 1,000, right? They just came out with the account yep, score, yep, yep. account health metric. So we're at 1,000. So that's great. It, it's Very been nice. working for us. Sweet, sweet. Now, um, last thing, you know, I know one of the strategies used for Helium 10 is actually some part of your training program for these newer employees. You know, yep. you stick them in, you know, Freedom Ticket Academy if they're going to, or Helium 10 Academy if they're going to be learning a certain one of the tool. But as far as the, the actual tools of Helium 10, uh, what's your favorite for your uh, team or for yourself? Cerebro. Cerebro same, same. is what we use. That's where we are able to do all of that keyword research that I talked about. It's so important. And what's something like a function or a problem that we could solve that maybe we're not solving right now? Like, man, it would be great if Helium 10 did this or something like that. Anything? Yeah. Tracking, uh, how about 100 keywords for each of the 1,300 different ASINs, right? We're capped out. We're capped out yes. at the number of keywords we can track. If there were an easier way to, you know, track keywords and have higher keyword limits, that would be All helpful right. for. I'll, I'll look into that. <laughs> All right. How, how can people, uh, again, you know, mention your podcast or how can people find you on the interwebs if they want to uh, reach out to you at all? Yeah. So you can find me on LinkedIn, Josh Hadley, but also check out the podcast. That's, that's definitely where I'm more active, obviously, is ecombreakthrough.com. Uh, the podcast will be launching. I've recorded a lot of episodes. Got, you know, Kevin King on there, Roland Frazier. Nice. We've got some really awesome sellers um, that have been on there. And um, yeah, come check it out. It's going to be launching here in October. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for for uh, joining us. It was great to see you at, at Sell and Scale and, and awesome that you won again with this strategy. Guys, even though you missed, might have missed Sell and Scale, you just got the, the strategy that's that's been winning at conferences across the country. But thanks a lot. And we'll be seeing you uh, soon. Thanks, Bradley.